Well, happy Mother's Day, moms, and don't forget to grab one of those uh, flowers on the way out. I hope that you feel loved and appreciated. We're going to get into the Word of God. We're in a series called Stay. Maybe right now you're like, get on with it. Let's go. We kind of stink at waiting, don't we, as Americans, as men, as women, with phones. It's, it's one of those things, like we've just been counseled to be a McDonald's, a fast food society, to have everything like this. I think you're going to find that in our story today, when Peter says, I'm going fishing. He's not just taking a holiday. He's not vacation. <laughs> He's saying, I'm going fishing spiritually. He's saying, you know what? Maybe this three years wasn't worth it all. And uh, maybe it's time to phone it in and go back to what I was made to do. <laughs> to go fishing. What he should have done, what we need to do, and what God so lovingly gets him back to, right? As he does with us. Could you wait for me? I have some things I want to do with you. I have some time I want to spend with you. And I want to use you in an amazing way to reach many others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me read it for you from John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I could go back and recap Luke again. (laughs) I'll let you guys do that. It's all on the outline here. Um, Maybe Bob will recap that next week. Maybe not. Doesn't matter to me. But it's all on here. You can see the recap. You can see what's happened. But today's message is gone fishing. On Mother's Day? (laughs) Well, sometimes you uh, set out to do something and you're just like, how does this connect? I don't really understand. But gone fishing. You know, you could probably stay home today, guys. Not go fishing. But in spirit, be fishing. And that's really what we're talking about today. This is a spiritual wandering that's happening. And I'm afraid that in our society, America, in our city, Rochester, that the church has wandered. It's kind of doing its own thing. It's doing its own way. It's doing what it thinks it's good at because maybe it had some success at one point in time. And it just kind of like, ah, okay, back to fishing. <laughs> Look at John 21. The Word of God says, After this, Jesus revealed Himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. In John 6, 1, the Sea of Tiberias and 
the Sea of Galilee are the exact same thing. And he revealed himself in this way. Now, I do realize that I have some things I need to uh, do for you if you're visiting. This is Resurrection Day. You guys all know what Easter is? That's day one on our journey. Last week we covered Thomas. That's one week in. Okay? Today, we're going to be going for this. Gone fishing. These two happened in Jerusalem. This one happens in Galilee. One of these things is different. One of these things is not the same. Okay? This here is the ascension when Jesus was taken up into the clouds, just like he's going to come back. Are you excited for that day? Can't wait to see him again. For me, the first time. Okay? That's 40 days in. And then Pentecost, which is what we're really waiting for. We're waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit from the Father, from Christ. That's 50 days. So, how many days since April 4th? Get some digits going. Get my, I need to take my shoes off. You know? Well, 4th, 11th, 18th. Yeah, right. Seven weeks. There's seven days, five weeks. There you go. Who knew you were so good at math, Blake? Oh, your wife. Happy Mother's Day. It's my wife. All right. Notice there's a question mark. I don't know how many days this is. I don't know how long it took Peter to say, I'm done waiting. And I don't know. I think it's so fitting. Because I don't know how long it's going to take you to say, I'm not waiting anymore. Move on. I'm done with this series. Let's go. But everybody's going to reach that point in their Christian life where they're kind of like, this just got boring. And I thought it was going to be exhilarating and fun. I thought we were going to reign with a king and a kingdom. So now you know the timeline. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, who we talked about last week, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the, son of Zebedee, the sons of Zebedee, who are they? James and John. James and John, the son of Zebedee, and two others. Two others of the eleven, right? I'm just going to go out on a limb. I don't know if it really matters. We need to say or not, but I think it's Andrew and Philip. Andrew is Peter's brother. Andrew and Philip were mentioned earlier in John. These seven disciples were together. And guess what? They had a leader. Who do you think it was? Well, verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. And they said to him, six of them, just as quickly back, we will go with you. We've been looking for somebody to follow since Jesus left. How about you? 
Jesus knew his leadership qualities and is going to use them as he does with us. He uses what we have, what he's given us. They went out and got into the boat. I don't want you to miss this. The boat. It's not a boat. It's the boat. Seen any boats in the Gospels? How did they get from one side of the sea to the other? All the times they went to the other side, what boat were they in? The boat. This boat. Let's say it's Peter's boat, since he's the one using it. But that night, they, underline it in your Bible, caught nothing. Here's the first point. These are lessons while waiting. I'm going to give you four. Lessons while waiting. The first lesson, I'm going to shorten it up, but it's going to be longer on the screen. I produce nothing. If you're taking notes, write it down. I produce nothing. What does it say up here? Doing what I want to do, when I want to do it, leaves me empty-handed. Can I get a witness? Has anybody experienced that? Oh, I thought I'd just do this, and it would go like that, and I would have all of this. And it didn't happen. I thought if I just did this, people would do that. And then we would be like this, and it didn't happen. Jesus said in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) And he wasn't joking. I love how Jesus tells him before he dies exactly how it's going to go. And then after he dies and raises from the dead, it goes exactly how he said it was going to go. You're going to do nothing apart from me. And so this whole story is a big object lesson for the disciples. And we get to watch. The first lesson is, I produce nothing. Look at verse 4. Just as day was breaking, the sun was coming up, they must have been like, thank you, Lord, since they caught nothing. Or maybe they were like, already? This is zero. Jesus, the main character in story, and the main character of our lives, stood on the shore. That's kind of where they put him, isn't it? We're going fishing. Can we want to do our own thing? We kind of put God at a distance, huh? Out on the shore. We were in the boat and we're wondering why the sea's kind of rocky. Jesus said to them, children or lads, do you have any fish? Now, in the Greek, it's, it's, it's a little bit more um, 
he, it's a neg- he's expecting a negative response. So he kind of says, he says, um, do, you don't have any fish, do you? Like, no, we don't, <laughs> you know. He's like, y- you guys don't have any fish, right? <laughs> That's basically what he says. They answer him, no. Now, one, I think it's astounding that they answer a stranger. But they did. He said to them, now listen to this. Cast the net on the right side of the boat. There's a lot of reasons that that doesn't make a lot of sense. They always shipped on the, uh, uh, through on the left side of the boat. You know, they've been fishing all night. They know what they're doing. This guy's on the shore. They don't know who he is. And you will find some. Throw it on the right side. Of course you want to throw it on the right side. What are you going to do? Throw it on the wrong side? I mean, duh. This is the most astounding part of the passage. As mouthy as the disciples were the whole time, as much as they questioned everything that he did, and they didn't even know it was him, they, so they cast it. They obeyed. Why did they obey? Why didn't they start lipping off? Like, you don't know what you're doing. You're on the shore. but Why didn't they start lipping off to the guy on shore? Return to point one. I produce nothing. They were sufficiently humbled. Right? They hadn't caught anything. They couldn't, nothing to prove. So sometimes when we have nothing to prove, nothing to give, we get mouthy. Wrong idea. Maybe we should just get low. Maybe we should just say, maybe somebody else has something to say, you know? And these guys did that. Praise the Lord. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. I want to put an asterisk by now they were not able to handle, uh, haul it in. I want to put an asterisk by that because later, Peter's going to do it by himself. So the they there, I don't think includes Peter. I'm just going to say that. It just makes sense to me as I read the scriptures. They weren't able to haul it in because they had so much fish. Here's the second thing. God provides everything. Lessons for waiting. If you're sick of waiting, it's worth it. God provides everything. The long version. Doing what Jesus asked me to do, when he asked me to do it, leads to abundant life. God's way always provides for me. Has God ever left you hanging? Like, oh yeah, I remember that one time. Left you hanging on what you wanted or what he wanted to provide for you. And then once he did provide for you in the way that he chose to, wasn't it better than what you wanted anyway? (laughs) Yeah. If you haven't experienced that, you will. So learn from me. God provides everything. Keep reading. 
that disciple, to renamed Anonymous because he's the one writing the book and he doesn't want to say his name, John. That disciple whom Jesus loved before, uh, therefore said to Peter, Peter and John have this connection, it is the Lord. See, John was like the guy that perceived things before, you know, and Peter was the guy that was kind of thick. Anybody want to admit they're thick? John, get your hand up. Me and you, man. John and I have similar personalities. All right. We're thick. It's going to take a while, but I'm going to get it. It might take a two by four, but I will get it. All right. And then there's guys like Pastor Bob. He could see it coming from a mile away. He's like, I don't need the two by four. Okay. <laughs> right. There's guys like John that are like, duh, look, that's what it is. Just open your eyes, Peter. Do you remember? This happened once before. We didn't catch any fish. Do you remember? Luke 5. That's when Jesus called them. From the boat. That's when Jesus called them. He's given them a reminder. Hey, I'm the one that's provided for you for three years. I'm going to keep providing for you. You didn't need to fish for three years. You still don't need to fish for fish. You need to be fishing for men. That's what I told you when I called you. That's what it means right now. I don't know if you've ever had a calling on your life. I don't know if God's ever given you a nudge to do something. If you've done it, you've felt, you've felt full. If you haven't done it, you've felt empty. I can just guarantee you. Maybe I'm reading your mail now. But if you do it for a while, and then something happens that makes it hard, and you stop doing it, God's going to come, and he's going to remind you of your calling. And that's what he's doing with Peter. He's like, hey, Peter, I told you you're going to be fisher of men not fishing for fish. This is not your livelihood anymore. I'm going to provide for you everything. All right. Great reminder. Lessons while waiting. The disciple whom Jesus loved, okay, said to Peter, it's the Lord. Woo! When Pete, Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, just watch the personalities at play. You got a perceptive guy. Yeah, it's the Lord. You got, you got a rambunctious man. He put on his outer garment, for it was stripped for work. This, this is just detail to let you know that John was an eyewitness, okay? And, and threw himself into the sea. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you serious? Like, it's humorous. That is what I would do. It's Jesus. Woo! Let's go! I'd be doing cartwheels off the boat. Oh, man. I am too much like Peter. We all have our own personalities. Some of you guys are like, I don't relate to either. Yeah, Thomas. 
And then there's Philip and Andrew who are anonymous. Maybe you relate to them. I'm just going with the flow here. Either way, the other disciples, the ones that were going with the flow, (laughs) came in the boat. Imagine that. We're in a boat. Now, I want you to, I don't know this for sure, but I want you to pay attention. There's no real story between Jesus and Peter before the guys get here. Maybe that's because John's in the boat and he can't record what he didn't see. Or maybe that's because they got there at the same time. Snicker, snicker. (laughs) Like, I mean, can you imagine the guy's swimming? He's got 100 yards and these guys are rowing. There's six of them. They're pulling a bunch of fish and they get to the land at the same time. What good is it to do it your own way, Peter? This is just another illustration. How many times do I got to show you? The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they all were not far from the land, but, the, but about 100 yards. It's a football field. It's a football field, right? So longer from me to Jeremy, yeah, for sure. That might be 50 yards. And go another distance. When they all got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire. That's significant. Why is it significant? Say why. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tell you. (laughs) A charcoal fire is the kind of fire that Peter was at when he denied Jesus. Have you ever been by a charcoal fire? Smells like charcoal. Been to a wood fire? Smells like wood. There's different senses going on. So if Peter comes up against a charcoal fire and he gets a little whiff, how's he going to feel? There's some stuff in the scripture you've got to pay attention to. When I smell seven layer bars, makes me think of Grandma Ethel. Because she used to make seven layer bars. When I'm eating good pancakes, makes me think of my dad. Because he could make the best pancakes. Maybe there's a smell or a sight that if you saw it today, or if you smelled it today, would give you a memory, maybe good or bad. That's the situation Peter finds himself in. Charcoal fire. With fish laid out on it. Fish. That's singular. A fish laid out on it. And bread. That's singular. A piece of bread. (laughs) Jesus said to them, to them all, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Who caught the fish? Bring some of the fish that you just caught. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? They did catch the fish. Technically, that's correct. But who brought the fish? 
Jesus. See, this is what Jesus does. He wants to use what he's given you. This is why we do offering. He wants to use what he's given you. He wants to use you and your money and whatever you'll give him, whatever you'll bring to him for his glory. So he's like, hey, I want to use you. It's not about me. I want to use you. So go get the fish that you caught. Back to Simon. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. It's a miracle, right? They're like, the net should have been torn, but it wasn't torn, and one guy shouldn't carry that many fish. Is this a miracle? Yes. Is he strong? Yes. Enough said. Here's the point. Sometimes I'm not patient. Okay? Sometimes you're not patient. We don't want to wait. But this is a lesson to remember while waiting. So remember this. Jesus wants to use me regardless of my personality. Regardless of whether I want to jump in or I want to hold back, regardless if I'm perceptive, hey, that's the Lord. Whether I'm thick, He wants to use me. So don't run away. Don't stop seeking the Lord today. If you're waiting on Him to do something, continue to seek Him. He's going to use you. He doesn't want... Sure, he'll, he'll refine you, but he's not trying to change you to be somebody different. He wants to use you. He made you to be you. He made Peter to be Peter. He made John to be John. He made Thomas to be Thomas. He made you to be you. He likes you the way you are. Mom, did you hear that? He likes you. Not only that, he loves you the way you are. Got to let that sink in. Let that bring a tear to your eye. When you really grasp that, that he loves you for who you are, that's overwhelming. Because that's all we've all, always wanted. Is to be who we are and to be loved for it. To be who we are and to be used Think about that. Here's a shorter version. Jesus is preparing me. He's preparing Peter. He's preparing John. He's preparing Thomas. They're going to do something awesome in his name and for his glory. And he wants to let him know, I'm going to use your being, who you are, but I'm going to help you along. I'm going to prepare you a little bit to receive what I have planned for you. He's always making us spiritually fit to receive what he already has planned. All right, keep reading. Verse 12. Jesus said to them, this is four words that have boggled me all week. They still boggle me. 
but I'm going to do my best. Come and have breakfast. I don't want to over-spiritualize it. I don't want to make it more than it is. He's just saying come and eat. But when we talk about Jesus, there's always a spiritual point to the physical thing he's saying. Come and have breakfast. What do you think he wants to do with you today? He wants to sit down with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to feed you. Your words were found and I ate them and they became to me a joy, the delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Jeremiah 15, 16. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Amen? Amen as in, may it be so, as in I'm going to get in the word tomorrow morning. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, because Jesus is like, come have breakfast with me. So much more I want to say. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him. That was one of their things they always did. They always had questions for him, right? What, what does that mean? And what are you doing? And where are you going? And none of them asked, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. They didn't have to ask. They knew it was him. Do you have that kind of confidence in your time with the Lord? Where he's speaking to you and you're like, I knew it's the Lord. That's what we're going for. It's not like, hey God, is that from you? I'm not really sure. No, spend enough time with him every morning that you know it's from God. They knew it was from the Lord. Jesus came, underline that, came and took, underline that, took the bread and gave, underline that, gave, three action words. He came, he took, and he gave it to them. All of them. And so with the fish. So he did it twice. Now what did he say? Come and eat, right? Can you imagine how confusing it might have been for the disciples? Just, just get this picture. I know I'm going too long. Just get this picture. Jesus has a charcoal fire. There's a fish and a piece of bread. He says, guys, come eat. Come on, let's eat. What do they have going in the back of their head? John 13, where he washes the disciples' feet. He serves them, right? And he says to them, love one another as I have loved you. Who's eating first? They're all like, Nobody's digging in. How hungry would they be working all night? Nobody's digging in. So what does he do? He reminds them of the feeding of the 5,000. He comes, he takes one fish, one piece of bread, and he starts to hand it out. He multiplied it. Some people are like, oh, well, that's why they had to bring the fish, because they're going to cook them. He's like, all the symbolism symbolism in here, all the different stories, 
They're all there. Feeding the 5,000. He gives, he gives it to him. He's like, guys, I will provide for you. I will provide. It's always enough with me, and without me, it will never be enough. The last thing is pay attention. How did I say it in the point? Because I changed it a little bit. Sorry, Jamie. Reminder. Jesus invites me, feeds me, serves me, and he loves me. And he wants me to do the same. So pay attention, church, to this passage, to all the things in here. He came, he took, and he gave to them. Jesus invites us to spend time with him. Come and have breakfast. And... Jesus serves us as an example that we should serve one another. Jesus is setting these guys up to go, but right now he's like, you you need to wait. You need to learn these lessons. Let me wrap it up this way. I think the thing you got to take away from this is, you're special, God made you, and he wants you. You're special, God made you, just you, the way you are, and he wants you. And what he wants from you is to wait for him. When you wake up tomorrow morning, don't hustle, don't bustle, don't grab this idiot box. That's what my dad called the TV, but now you got one in your hand. Don't grab that before you grab breakfast. Go have breakfast with Jesus. Let him speak to you so that you knew it was him. I read Psalm 41 through 50. It was Monday, I think, wasn't it, Kimberly? And I said to her, like, I knew it was the Lord. I needed it. I got it. That was what it was. I knew it was God that got me there. Eat breakfast with him. Let him feed you. Let him multiply the things he's already given you. Let him make you spiritually fit to receive what he has planned for you. There's a promise coming. There's power coming. Right? But we need to prepare. And that's what God's doing with his disciples. He's preparing them. He's reminding them of all these stories. Hey, remember when you walked on water? Yeah, this time you just jumped in. Hey, remind, remember when like you were on your hands and knees and said, I'm a sinner? Depart from me, God? Yeah, that was because I caught a bunch of fish. Remember that time? Yeah, you need to get on your knees again. <laughs> Pastor Bob might cover this. He's going to restore Peter right there and then in a public manner before his disciples. You come back for that. But this week, church, you're like, what do I do now? What do I do now? Learn the lessons while you wait. I produce nothing. Jesus provides everything. He's preparing me for something. Are you willing to wait? And while you wait, Will you meet with him this week? Will you have breakfast with him and eat his word and hear his voice? 
every day. Multiple times a day. Because he loves you and he wants to use you, just you. That's the application. He invites us to an intimate relationship with him. And then he reminds us that he doesn't just want to serve us. He wants us to serve others. Okay? I love you. You've listened well. I pray that it's impacted your heart. Father, seal these words and this story on the hearts and lives of your people. If there's anyone here today, Jesus, that doesn't know you, show them how awesome you are. Open their eyes. May your grace activate their faith to believe that you are God, resurrected God. Living, breathing, alive and well, teaching your disciples even now. And we pray that you'll continue to do that in our lives as we come and have breakfast with you tomorrow. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Have a happy Mother's Day. You are loved.